0: Hey, we are here. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 1 of Hey Good Chat. This season we're talking with impact entrepreneurs and impact intrapreneurs who are supporting and building the corporate social impact ecosystem This episode features a great pair of impact founders who have built a digital community in authenticity and accessibility. We'll talk overlap and partnerships between the private and nonprofit sectors, professional development, and holistic impact improvements, figuring out how to boldly say, this is what we have, and this is where we want to go. So... Welcome to the season. Join Jess and me as we chat with John and Becky of We Are For Good. And most importantly,
1: Welcome to the Pitcast.
0: This is going to be a cool episode. We've got uh, Becky Endicott. John McCoy, two of the founders of We're For Good. Um, a little biased here. I've known them for a while. Love their show. They're part of what inspired getting this show off the ground and going from a, uh, a waste of time activity, designing websites and buying software and never using it to uh, <laughs> having something come to life between there. Them being my aspirational goal and uh, Jessica being behind me, kicking my butt to make sure that we actually do some of these interviews and maybe produce them and get out there. If you're hearing this, Jessica succeeded. Yeah, You know, it's pretty awesome. And and heart to heart, they're entrepreneurial parents. That speaks to me a ton. They're reformed marketers, which, I mean, can't we all be? And uh, they're Midwestern enough. You're on the west side (laughs) of the Midwest, so we can speak that way. But I think most importantly that they're using their experience, their trauma, their insight, and their network to lift everyone around them, friend or stranger. And I really appreciate what John and Becky have brought to the public interest impact ecosystem. So, hi. Welcome, dudes. How do
2: we even recover from that? Thank you so much. Thank you for that warm introduction. I believe
3: early on, Peter, gave us like this pep in our step. I remember the first DM, we were like, oh my gosh, like this this matters what we're doing. So thank you for that validation so early on.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you you refer to this whole concept as an impact uprising.
3: Yeah. So I keep it on this TV screen behind me, actually, (laughs) to remind me of this. But I mean, that's kind of... Becky and I's North Star to this whole thing. And we've been called like toxic optimists or, you know, ridiculous idealist, which is kind of true because we kind of are all those things. Yeah, we embrace it. Yeah, we kind of love that. But to us, it points to what we're here for is an impact uprising, which is bigger than anything we are for good alone is going to do. But it's this idea of getting more people aligned and connected to philanthropy, whatever that means for them, like that could be serving or that could be giving or could just be lending their talents or opening their network. But we feel like philanthropy changes people, like the actual act of giving and getting involved. And so we think that could help truly change the world as more people you know, fall in love with that. So our bent is to train up nonprofit people to better engage people so they can grow their impact uprising. But we want to lock arms with everybody who is kind of fighting that same fight.
0: And in fighting that fight, I guess I need to step backwards. I'm coming in here knowing a ton and giving a very nebulous explanation of who you are. Do you want to give us some background of of what in and, and he's pointing to Becky? <laughs> I'll take it. The, the, matri- it the matriarch of this <laughs> new <laughs> ecosystem. What what brought this on? Who who are you? Where are you coming from? You know what? I have a, a
2: boilerplate for that, but at the end of the day, and in its most simplest form, like we're just two people from Oklahoma. Who worked in our entire careers, twenty years, in nonprofit, and we somehow just never saw the walls. And so we're working in a very creative space where marketers disguised as fundraisers. You talked about us being reform marketers, which is absolutely true. But we're also recovering gift officers and annual giving officers. And we've done events, and we've done stewardship, and we've launched billion-dollar campaigns and these things, and we've checked off all just a lot of the boxes and nonprofit. And as we were doing it, we were looking around going, we don't agree with this. We don't, This doesn't feel good. What if we flipped the script entirely? What if we flipped the donor pyramid that we have been, you know, Kind of just ground into our heads is the way that it should be with the pinnacle of the major gift owner at the top, which is probably going to get 95% of your attention and is going to give you probably 95% of your wealth. Why are we not looking at the base? There's so much potential in what could happen, you know, to John's point about an impact uprising if we start at the base. So we build a company. Entirely based on flipping that pyramid and saying, what if we started to value people and we started to value their journey and their lived experience and to your point earlier, Peter, their trauma and the things that they've learned, what do we what if we lifted everything that's working, that's novel, that's innovative and baked in humanity? And we just started pouring into campaigns and our work in that way. And something just magical happened when we saw it at a grassroots level within a nonprofit organization we were working with, which just happened to be um, the largest nonprofit healthcare system in Oklahoma. And John is just one of the most brilliant I always call him Jeff Bezos, kind of a thinker, but I always say he's the kindest and humane. Like he's got a brain for business, but he's got this heart for purpose. And he is a serial entrepreneur, just binges everything about reading about businesses, starting your own business. This is his brainchild. And it took him three years to cultivate me to launch We Are For Good. (laughs) And we're just a digital kindness company working to revolutionize and upskill the nonprofit sector through profound kindness, um, really evolved thought-provoking conversations, crazy good marketing, leveraging tech baking DEI and inclusivity into everything that we do and making sure that there's a space for anybody who wants to come and learn, be shaped, be supported. They can come into our community. And so we really think we can help architect and community a new way of connecting and not just in philanthropy, but the way that we walk through this life in service and yeah, we're just here for this freaking unpacked uprising that we're watching grow with
0: complete humility. I'm glad you said that about John because outside of conversing with him, conversing with others about him, and John, you're up for you're nominated for an award about oh this. My aren't god, you? So right. Oh my god, I'm so glad you brought this up. He's
2: mortified, and I love it. Keep going.
0: <laughs> but I, uh, I'm going to throw out one of my analogies. But but John's love and passion and calmness and peacemaking is. It's condensation on a cup. Like he's so full of that and so chill, but you can't help when you're around him, it gets everywhere. (laughs) It gets everywhere. (laughs) Thank you, man. So it's really cool that you were able to to meet and build this. And it started with a podcast. Happy second anniversary.
2: Thanks. We're on solid foods now. We're excited.
3: (laughs) Thank you. This is incredibly awkward. I like being on the other side of um, getting to dote on people. But I think part of my story, like I would never have felt like I would have the confidence to do something like this. And there's probably lots of things we could psychoanalyze about that. But I'll say in the business realm and even the personal realm, Becky's given me that confidence along this journey so much. And so doing it together in lockstep has allowed us to do this. And if you're giving me credit for the brain of coming up with some of the ideas, Becky's brought this heart. I have a heart, but it would have never had the level of heart that Becky can show up because when you really see people and really take time to get to know people's stories, it t- took it to a different level of depth. And I think that is what has made this not even be a company, but be this movement of just really powerful people coming together and just talking shop and feeling supported and seen. So thank you for that. But I feel <laughs> imposter as you saying that.
0: So clearly there's this energy, this chemistry, this mutual passion for building. And and this is a this is an impact uprising company. This is a, a full ecosystem you've built. And I and I do want to touch on every single element, but I want to touch on them as surprises and in the right order. So first was the podcast.
3: Yeah. So, you know, we wanted to come out on the scene because we joke, but we really had a 35 page, like business plan of like, here's what we're going to do. But it gave us this clarity that we wanted to show up and really disrupt the system. I mean, we had been users of professional development, our whole careers, but it looked a certain way. And we thought the world's evolving. I mean, I've learned and grown so much through podcasts that We thought if we could show up in a disruptive way in that environment, that that could be the first play in this. So we committed to, you know, we we did all the research and we're like, I think if we launched a show with the two of us, we could use our storytelling narrative arc and we could come at it at a ridiculous pace that no one else is doing. And we have this gut check that we're like, we may not do this forever, but we're going to at least commit to this for three years because I feel like that's what it takes to build something, you know, that's on a continuum. And we just showed up. And from day one, we acted like it was this thing that had always been in existence, you know? I mean, we had the whole like arc and now it has snowballed, you know? And so that is like 300 episodes later, but that allowed us to meet amazing friends, Peter included in that. And all of these like connections and relationships and it starts to compound. And if you think about three things happening that just doesn't stop because each of those networks unlock that, you know, two years later, we're like, living in this world where there's been so much connection that have happened and good vibes that have happened from the podcast. And you have the whole thing that's fueling really our next plays, which is what we're starting to unpack now that you're kind of teasing out. We have a lot of ways that we want to show up and support this sector that we truly love and are so enthusiastic about.
1: What's one thing you would have told yourselves back then when you were just getting started, when you had that 30-page business plan (laughs) and you were unsure of where it was headed? I
2: think I would have told myself to... Be open to every possibility because you, you start a business, you put something together like a 30 page business plan and you think that you've got it figured out. And we have had to iterate a hundred different times this week, you know, every week because, we we've built a community that's baked in listening and it's like it can never be about becky and john's agenda ever it's got to be baked in the community and what the community wants and we need to be listening all the time and we need to have avenues by which people can speak and multi platform you know in different ch- omni channels because not everybody's hanging out in the right plot in the same place and so I think I could have never seen the journey of this. I mean, our first business plan had an angel investor in it, and then we kind of learned what that would mean, and we decided we don't want anybody to own this right now. We want to we want to make sure that this stays pure, and we're willing to hustle it out. It was a really hard, <laughs> you know, first two years of hustling it out, but I'm so proud of what we built, and it has stayed, you know, pure, and it is in it's been very much affirm that it was the right thing to do at the pace that it's scaling right now. And not just the pace or the money or any part of that, but from the affirmation of what we hear and what we see every single day that's coming back to us, reflected from the community about how they're changing their nonprofit, how they're empowering themselves, how they're pouring into their community in completely new and different ways, how it's expanded Their life and their mindset. So that is a gift to me that keeps compounding and giving as well.
3: I mean, I love that answer. I would also say just chill out, people. Like the 30 page plan was so ridiculous. (laughs) It's so dumb. But like the refinement that's happened as more people have surrounded us and gotten around us in a huddle and opened our mind and eyes, like the vision is so much bigger and beautiful as a result of that. And I think. We, it doesn't need to be a f- perfect first draft because it needs to iterate to actually fit and fill the needs. And so feeling like that flow, like it feels really good to be like, we have an open hand for where this goes. And since we're ownership of it, like we have the flexibility to do that, which would have locked us in a different way if we would have gone the other way right out of the gate.
0: So I'm, I'm hearing for other impact entrepreneurs that it's about taking the smaller, more achievable bite.
1: One mm-hmm.
0: percent shift and getting that that feedback and that input and, and designing what you've called an impact ecosystem, your omni-channel approach. And Becky, you continue to use community. How are you defining community?
2: You know, the eighth core value of our company, it's the final core value of our company is community is everything. And I'll tell you that when we started out, we had seven very uh, succinct, we thought they were at core values, and this one just lifted out and and was such the aha of our company that if you don't have digital community right now that's baked in vulnerability, authenticity, and accessibility, that you're missing the greatest opportunity, not just to like scale your business, but to be filled up as a human being and to have people connect with your brand and your purpose and your mission. Because giving is identity right now. People love to talk about the things that they care about. They love to wear them, you know, in retail. They, they want to give to them. They want to talk about how they're giving to them. And so it's such an opportunity for nonprofit. And we see this moment as a way for them to step into their power. And so we want them to be, you know, equipped with that knowledge, with those skills, with frameworks, with community to be able to do that. And it all starts in community. So we have a community. Anyone is welcome to join it. Again, it's weareforgoodcommunity.com. It's hosted on Mighty Networks. I think one of the coolest evolutions of the community is that, you know, it was kind of slow going like anything. Um, Here comes another core value. Our second core value is we play the long game. And we knew that if we just turned it on and just kept up with it, it would start growing. And we're seeing it grow. at a a much quicker pace right now. But I think the coolest thing is that it's going on its own right now. We're not having to power it. And people are... answering each other and they're reaching out and they're creating sub communities of which Peter is like came forward and said, Hey, I think you need a corporate social impact sub community in here. And I want to pull people in. We're like, brilliant, run that. You are the king, you You know, more than we do. (laughs) You know, we have a international NGOs, we have a tech for good. We have our pro community just came online. And so some are closed, you know, for those that are buying the exclusive premium experience, that I know we're going to talk about, but most of it is open because we want to have an open hand and an open heart when we come to this.
0: And that's, so I'm going to, I'm going to rewind or I'm going to expand this a little bit. As impact entrepreneurs, as people that are building and defining a community for, in a for-profit social enterprise, this is not just some additional nonprofit out there. You speak to these core values, these ethos. Is this something that you see as important the people that are that are paying attention to what we're talking about right now, the people that would tune into this, they're corporate social impact professionals. They are people within organizations that would like to become that and build be their own intrapreneur to build out something like that. Or people that are done with the private sector and want to influence the greater public sector, the greater good aspect, but don't even know where to start. Do you find... Having that ethos in play, having those core values, that uh, bill of rights for your stakeholders. Do you see that as as a critical element in the process? It's literally it's everything.
3: everything. I was, <laughs> jinx. <laughs> I mean, a distinct memory. I mean, we had been working our careers for 20 years or whatever. We jump we go to Becky's bonus room. We're sitting on this like sectional staring at each other. Like what do next we do to now? The Barbie
2: dream house. Yeah. Yes, like talk about okay, we just started a company.
3: <laughs> and it came down to values. I mean, we, we already had those in our heart, but we put them on paper and it's like, that was our next step, you know, of like, that's the first things we want to teach through the podcast. And from the beginning, it gave us threads to connect with literally everybody because we know that they're true and we can see them in other people's stories. And so it just creates this different level of connection where you can say, hey, what you're saying is actually deeply important to us too. We call it X. You know, we call it playing the long game here. And I think as we think about the CSR aspect or CSI aspect, it's all about values. And I love that this reckoning, and I'm going to blame it on the pandemic because I know it was happening before that happened, but it feels like it sped things up we all went through a reckoning of like what's important to us like what do we value where do we want to live what do we want to invest in what kind of career do we want to be part of and i think that at its core it's people like realigning with the values that really register with them and so it's a huge opportunity for nonprofits or for corporations to be really bold about their values because if you can connect on that level i tend to think the tactics don't even matter as much because you're going to find ways to connect with people if you're value aligned and To us, that's been really true, you know? And I think now we're at the point that people in our community are reflecting those back to us or they're hearing it in places and calling it out. And it's like, this is cool. Like, this is what community is like. We're rallied around these values and we're just championing them together. And it kind of like bonds and unites us. So that's why I feel like it's everything because it literally is like threaded in everything we do.
2: May I say something to your impact heroes here? Can I just say something to them real quick? Sure, absolutely. Don't give up hope about the private sector. We're seeing this moment right now and we need so many allies. Nonprofit philanthropy needs so many allies in the corporate sector. And there are so many who are doing it so well, and there is an evolution happening in the way that nonprofits and corporations partner. I know we've talked about this many times, Peter, but it, there's such a more equitable partnership opportunity that's building here. And it's less about, at least is what we're teaching our community, it's less about going in with your proposal to sponsor, you know, the gala table to your corporate friends anymore because they don't want that. And frankly, you don't want that. You know, we're gonna come in differently. We're gonna say, hey, we're both bringing something to the table here. If we're a nonprofit, we're going to bring the strength of our brand. We're going to bring our social media followers. We're going to bring our expertise. We're going to bring programs and storytelling. And we're going to be able to bring a community into this thing that we're partnering on. And what we need from you is not just a financial gift. And this is where we need you know, impact allies to come up and say, yeah, come to the table with more than money. Do you have employees that want to get involved? Do you want to volunteer? You know, what can you do to, you know, cross-market or cross post, you know, for us so that we're amplifying and amplifying. How do we allow your people to storytell why this is important to you through your values? It is just a much richer relationship that we are really trying to unleash in nonprofits. And, you know, we could add some synchronicity to it if we're both coming at it from both ways. So if you have a heart of intention in that way, there are so many nonprofits out there who are ready to partner with you in that way.
0: For our for our northeastern friends, uh Gala is also pronounced gala.
2: <laughs> We're from Oklahoma. You're gonna hear yeah. some y'alls. I yeah, will not sorry say about
0: ain't.
2: that. <laughs> we do have some lingo fixing. <laughs>
0: that's a that's a heavy statement and a heavy ask, and mm-hmm. it's something that it, frankly I suffered through yeah, until Jessica became a counterpart of mine. And I, I need to hand her the spotlight on this. But one of the things that I found very difficult was the opportunity alignment was never there. The yep. the, the nonprofits that were eager didn't have opportunities. The pr- nonprofits that did have opportunities weren't capable. And then the same thing on the the corporate side. But again, I can't speak to it. and You guys can probably talk for six or seven hours, point counterpoint. But- <laughs> Jessica's nodding. I'm going to let her let her go.
1: Let me in. Um, no, I love that, Becky, because I think that's something that I've been really trying to do from a corporate standpoint Point is kind of co-create these opportunities with the nonprofit sector, finding ways that as a corporation, what resources are impactful and beneficial to the work you're doing and vice versa. So building holistic partnerships where even the smallest thing, like having our employees post on social media about something that they're, that a nonprofit is doing to larger things, the pro bono volunteerism that could really support a marketing event for a gala or a gala, wherever you are. So these small things can make a huge impact as time goes on, especially when you're building those partnerships. And that's something that I've been really um, focusing on. And I love that we're thinking about it from the nonprofit side, but I'm over here carrying the torch for the uh, corporate side as well, so. Let's get that impact uprising going soon too.
2: Yes, let's lock arms and and be patient with nonprofit. I would say that because we're unwinding decades of scarcity mindset of, I can't ask for this. I can't do this. I can't get in there. I don't have a seat at the table. And so rewiring the mindset is taking some time. So it's not just handing them a toolkit. So we're working on it. In our community, we're gonna keep
3: preaching it. And it just feels better. I mean, you say a seat at the table. It's like, that is such a tangible expression. Like you get a gala sponsorship. You send eight of your top executives. It's like, what does that do culturally? Whereas activating and embedding it into this experience for this connectivity between the nonprofit and the entire team who wants to be involved Like it's so much more dynamic and like you're saying, it's worth so much more than what that table would have ever cost. It's going to take more to figure out, but the reward is just infinitely greater.
1: Yeah. It reminds me of how you, how you started your business, kind of flipping that donor pyramid on its head, Yes, doing the same and kind of like grassroots when it comes to employees instead of looking at the top executives.
0: I really like that. So, so what I'm hearing across the board right now is less fancy dinners, less silent auctions reinvest that capacity, that people investment, that dollar investment into creating opportunities where everyone can participate and everyone can be aware and really designing programs that encourage engagement.
2: Yes. And I was just going to give some examples of some people who are doing this really, really well. I, I think the Trevor Project is doing an incredible job with this. We had an interview with Munir Pajwani about that, which you can hear on the podcast. We had another one with Anne-Marie Dougherty, who's the... ED at the Bob Woodruff Foundation. She talks about, you know, they serve veterans and veteran families at an incredible partnership with the NFL. I think New Story does an amazing job. There's some really innovative nonprofits leaning into this. And if you need case studies, I mean, we have those on our site. Please come look at them because we really want to figure out how to co build this together.
3: Yeah. I mean, I would jump in to say the same thing. We try not to just throw tactics out just because I think there's still a place for those kind of experiences, maybe that are. That are going to cultivate people at a different level. But I think like you look at like somebody like Charity Water, right? They're like the de facto, of course, you're going to get a Charity Water example, right? Because they have built this incredible thing from an engagement level. And we look at like their monthly giving program is built in a very inclusive way, which disrupted the model of only the top brass get to get access. But this community now views that as part of their identity. They're a member of the spring. They know other people around the world that are members of the spring. They see each other 70, out in public. Thousand
2: of them to the tune of $20 million a year just to charity water and monthly giving. It's amazing.
3: Because they prioritize the small givers who are just going to give on a regular basis. But as that becomes part of your budget, it becomes part of your conversations, and it becomes a thing that you view as part of your identity. And so their long-term prioritization of that is like put them in a different place and they still have these big beautiful parties too but I think that they prioritize the grassroots alongside it so it's really interesting
1: yeah I think the community building piece of remind remembering that everyone has something to give no matter mm. where they're situated and uh, whatever hierarchy we're working in I think everyone has something to give whether that's time whether that's money whether that's skill whether that's community and friendship I mean coming from that lens we can get everyone involved in working towards the same move.
0: I love that. Mm. Kind of spirits, it, Yeah, we love Preach it. it. Stay in that so, so, Jessica, what do you, as a CSR <laughs> professional, let's, let's talk to the nonprofits for a second. As a CSR professional, as somebody in employee engagement, volunteer time off, all that lovely stuff, knowing that volunteering is a private thing and people plan to do it after hours and they never take engagement on their VTO and maybe they'll do matching donations. What's the secret phrase? What What do people say when they knock on the door of a corporation? And they're a nonprofit and they want support. What is that magical term that they should lead with to get that engagement? What do you wish you heard in an email pitch?
1: Oh, wow. This is I'm a hard so question. <laughs> well, I'm so
0: excited for this question. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Peter.
1: <laughs> I kind of wish I heard a little bit of a bold kind of this is what we have and this is where we want to go. I think leading with that, it's not very tangible. What's the phrase? Maybe don't give up hope, hope like you said, Becky because as we work together, we can build something great. I think that co-creation piece and being open to it. I don't have a specific phrase right now, Peter, but I think just coming in boldly and saying, this is what we're doing. Do you want to be a part of it? (laughs) And kind of lay everything out and just say, hey, this is where we're going. Are you on board or should we move along kind of thing? Cause I think that would help me uh, as I'm in these conversations. Like, okay, yeah, I'm on, let's go. Let's work together and let's move forward on this train.
3: It's almost like we're not dreaming big enough, you know, as a sector. And I think if we go back in our podcast, I want to say that became like the thread of season one or season two. It's just like, when you talk to people that get it, it's like, it's a magnet. Cause if you can paint a picture of what you're really trying to do, I can see that you would want to be part of that. It's like the clarity of that is kindness. Isn't that Brene Brown? It's like Mm -hmm. all of it kind of comes together that we need to be better at casting vision for that. And people will get behind it if we can paint that picture for people. I love it.
0: Yeah. So, so so in in a mediator footprint here, John and Becky brassiness, in the nonprofit sector, the brazenness, <laughs> going from scarcity mindset, going from the fear of restricted funds, going from being itemized as an overhead line item, oh, wow. not a human being in a nonprofit. How do you motivate that? How do you train being okay with being bold? I
2: love that you asked this question. We did an entire series. Was that our first season? I think so. On mindsets, like we 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 take we have three episodes a week. Friday is just a John and I episode, and we usually we typically teach. And we had a series that came out, and I want to say like right out of the gate because we knew that that was going to be the biggest hurdle for people. And it was about mindsets. And we talked about how do you have a bravery mindset? How do you have an abundance mindset? How do you have an empathy mindset? How do you have a curious mindset? And we did all of that juxtapose with, you know, the, the patriarchal structures that are already in the system that lead to racism and homophobia and low pay and, no leave and, and all of these boundaries and this myth that 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 we have to be spending as little as possible on our programs and our people to yield the greatest result for the mission, which we all know is farce. That is absolutely not true because everyone who's in business knows that the more something works, the more you pour into it. And that is how you scale. And so we have really had to get in there and talk about this. And it's something that we embed in almost every conversation, I would say. Every time we show up, we're challenging that norm. So much so that, again, it's in our values. It's in our words. People are saying it back to us. And it just takes time. Three episodes a week. I mean, we cross market across these eco- Systems, we're talking about it all the time. And I think I saw maybe about nine months in or 10 months in of launching the podcast, we started to see a shift in the way people were talking and the way that they were talking about going out and doing things. Then they would start coming into the ecosystem and celebrating. You know, we just closed this. I just did this and I didn't think I could. You know, I poured into this for myself and I asked for it and giving people the permission to go for it and know that they're they're worthy and they can be bold, it's almost like that's all that they needed, especially for somebody who's not raging against the machine and wants to stay in this broken system. Because I'll tell you, there are a ton of millennials and Gen Zers in our community right now that are fighting so mightily to build the world of impact that they want to live in. And we're just here to resource them, love on them, and throw more fuel on that fire.
0: So again, I'm, I'm going to pose a question to Jessica here. In the VTO world, in, that, in the CSR realm, this employee engagement, opportunities don't have to be glamorous. Do, I mean, nonprofits shouldn't pause and try and think of the prettiest, most photogenic opportunity, right?
1: Yeah, of course. I think from the corporate side, when I'm considering volunteer experiences, I want to do what's best for the nonprofit, what's meeting the needs of the nonprofit. So if that's sending a group of employees to go organize a craft closet, yeah, of course, we're going to send those employees and get them involved. They'll also learn about the mission of the organization there, and that creates an opportunity where maybe they want to engage more as time goes on with more of their time, or they want to donate and get a match from the company, these sort of things. So of course, I never want to create more work for the nonprofit um, when it comes to volunteer experiences. Uh, and sometimes that happens, but we can find a way as a corporation to interact with that, whether that's donation or something on top of whatever we're doing. I think there's a way to go about mindfully. and just making sure that we do that um, as a profession.
0: And, and I, I, th- my big takeaway from that is that these experiences need to be a little bit more curated. They don't have to be glamorous, but they need to be complete. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I
3: think something that we challenge the nonprofits here too, is like, what's your follow-up plan? I mean, if you're going to have these people come on site, or if you have these grassroots people, part of a campaign that make a gift, you got to have in the can, how are you going to cultivate that relationship? Because you can't forsake that in today's society that you had the gift of somebody's hours in your walls. Like what's the follow-up plan? You got to have that in place. So we are going to pick on both sides of the equation here. Cause I do think that's a a missing component in a lot of nonprofit engagement just not ready for the influx of this kind of movement
2: can i throw another log on that fire <laughs> Do it. like the the propensity and potential for storytelling in that is is just limitless. Oh my, yeah, talking to the employee about what this experience meant, why they came here, what they learned, and I'm talking about like grabbing your cell phone, nonprofit, or, or you know, even on the CSI side, because I think that these assets should be shared, you know, in really painting a picture of why this partnership is so rich, not only for the nonprofit and for the company, but for the human at the end. And I think it's incumbent upon the nonprofit to kind of round out that story and say, as a result of this volunteering, we were able to do X because you want to know the impact. We want to know the impact. And the more that we can communicate that, syndicate that content, the more we democratize it and allow more people to get involved. And it's just like a ripple, 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 ripple. So there's another one for you. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Oh, I've got one more. So storytelling on the back end, kind of like you (laughs) were saying, Becky, but also storytelling in the front end where employees are learning about what the organization actually does and the mission, the values, the history there, even the community that the organization is situated in. I think that creates a context that gets people more connected in what they're doing and wants to, and maybe want to continue on um, engaging. Love that.
0: In that practice, what you preach mode, Jessica did subject me to a volunteer opportunity. Awesome. We need to know about this. Yeah, how'd it go? (laughs) So I'm I'm away from my kid's infant at an offsite. I want to get home. But Jessica says, you know, we're going to schedule a team building exercise, volunteer time off. I would like you to go to this place and bag rice for three hours and build boxes. Go have fun. (laughs) And I, I I am protective of my time and it sounded interesting, but again, I'm protective of my time. I was away from home, away from family and I went, didn't go begrudgingly. I wasn't pouting and stomping my feet the whole time, but I went, I trusted Jessica. She says, you'll have a blast. (laughs) Never worked with them before, but I can guarantee you'll have a blast. Guess what? I had a blast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. it's all about. It, there was nothing glamorous about it. It was cold. We were in a, in a food storage warehouse. We were literally bagging rice from a one ton bag to individual 16 ounce bags, one pound bags, assembly line bagging rice. I met some great people, both involved with the organization, with other companies that were doing VTO, high school kids that, uh, who knows why they were there, but everybody was participating. And it was mission-driven, and it felt really nice to be in that type of environment where everybody has this one object. It was like a team sport. There was this one objective, this one goal, no enemy, and a way to accomplish it. And the, the whole experience was curated. We went in. We watched videos on the organization itself, nice and short, very accessible, and then videos on how to do the process. And then we had personality and character leading us through and being our chaperones in this whole scenario. And this is just me talking from experience of Jessica was a rock star in many people on the team's eyes because I was not the only one that was begrudgingly going into it, that was fearful of being worked to the bone and not enjoying. And frankly, none of us really wanted to leave when our time was up. We were asked to leave. (laughs)
3: <laughs> you are escorted to your car. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, community is everything, right? And I just have to say two things to that. One, I'm going to need the name of that nonprofit because we need to go interview them about volunteer training. Dang, seriously. Because <laughs> yeah. that is the way to do it. And two, I just think it speaks to something, this phenomenon that we're seeing in our uh, community where when you check ego at the door – and you're just there to help and to uplift and empower and mobilize somebody. You move so much faster. And I mean, this is a this is a crutch for a nonprofit. We move at a glacial pace. I mean, <laughs> if we're going to buy technology, it's going to take years. I feel <laughs> like. But here's something that we all can can get on board with, and we find that we can run faster and accelerate our services, our missions, our products everything faster because we don't care who gets the credit. We just want the impact to be bigger than anything. This is how I think um, it could be like one of the great disruptors of capitalism, I think. So if we can find all our Mm -hmm. for-purpose people.
1: Yeah, I think the power of community, certainly that's what you were experiencing. Everyone being part of something larger than themselves. And I think that's what you're building with We Are For Good and the community that you have and where everyone is situated and ripple effects as they go. But I'd love to learn a little bit more. Becky, I heard you talk about Pro. Can you tell me more about that? Oh, I'm going to kick it to John. Pro
2: is John's dream. I'll come in and pepper some good (laughs) stuff in there. But I feel like this was your vision (laughs) because it's our Netflix for nonprofits. And it is ahead of its time, but it's going to have a moment. I feel it.
3: I mean, so, you know, we started the conversation saying that we were participants in professional development our whole career and just to paint a picture I'm sure it's the same in other industries but if you picture walking into a old hotel bad carpet you go to the table you're stacking ribbons to show how impressive you are on all of your accolades next to your badge and I just thought some really good conversations are happening at those places but at the time it was like happening in these silos you know and it's like if you could pay to get out there if you could pay to get in the room and so our plan, this was pre-pandemic, was like, how do we democratize access to these kind of conversations? We also wanted to like pick up what was there, these echo chambers happening in these hotel rooms, and just shatter it. Because the nonprofit sector is plagued with listening to like-minded peers. So in healthcare philanthropy, we sit around and talk to other hospitals all day about what they're doing. And we end up creating these like mirror programs and literally sometimes they copy and paste each other's logos. Like it's a scary thing of like, this is our grateful patient program that has the wings on it. You know, it's like literally the same thing at every hospital. And we just thought this has got to be disrupted. And the attention economy is here. Like how can this democratize? How can we bring together like disruptive people and put it in a playground where anybody has access that, you know, wants it? And so we, you know, wanted to bring together all different types of people of different backgrounds of different lived experience and stories. And we hand selected people from coming on the podcast. I mean, you know, we have the seat to get to meet people at this crazy pace. And we're like, Kishana Palmer, you, the way you teach, you cut through the noise to talk about leadership in a way that I've never felt or experienced. And we invited, there was, I think, eight good profs who we called all to Dallas to converge on this weekend. And We filmed the level of experience we would want to sit on a couch and watch. So this is like masterclass for nonprofits.
2: High production, totally drained our bank account. To totally the did. Time yeah,
3: too, we didn't know, right? Honest,
0: so.
3: <laughs> Worth it. Worth uh, to watch the magic of like that, I'm like, in my whole career, I never got coached at with somebody looking me in the eye and, and cutting through and talking about mindsets and talking about the deeper things that you got to get right, but then throwing some tactics at you too. And so that became our signature content for Pro because we were creating a streaming platform that would be accessible to all. But then we added this layer of how do we bake the community into this? And we just officially opened a community in the last week where it's going to be more in real time that you can connect with people. But from the beginning, we've launched live events. And this, I've never seen this model happen. It happens in the entrepreneurship space all the time, but it's called live coaching, you know, where you can get into a, a space. And it isn't public at this point because you're going to talk about really important or hard things that you wouldn't necessarily want to broadcast, but maybe in a safe space you would to get on and say, Hey, here's where I'm getting stuck, and have somebody come on and live coach you through that problem in real time. And so the pro community has access to those kind of conversations and we're really passionate about that because it really puts into practice of like the real layer of like the power dynamics and the politics and the hard stuff in a coachable platform. So all that is in one streaming platform. And we're like, the question of the day and we need help answering this question is who's going to pay for this? Because we're looking at a sector that the evolved nonprofits or semi-involved may have some amount of budget for professional development. Then you kind of have some old school that have been paying for their dues so long, they don't even know what they do, you know, to some of these organizations. And then you've got nonprofits that want to grow. They have that fire in their belly. I was talking to one this morning that the fire in their belly is so pure. They just truly don't have the resources yet to go there. So we approached some incredible corporate sponsors and we got to give Peter a shout out because I mean- I was hoping Came you would. to the table to say, we want to be first in line to make this possible. But we you know, partnered together to create scholarships. So this way, financial barriers could get you know, taken out of the way. Because this is something we often have baked into our programs as a nonprofit. We're issuing scholarships. Or we're helping people with financial need. But what about that equation- could it be tied to our professional development experience? And so those scholarships allowed, you know, specifically office year, was it 20 or 25? 30. 30. Oh my gosh. Because I remember flipping through the impact report and you see the faces and the stories of the people that were transformed by that. You know, it it maybe didn't completely change their life, but it helped them and they felt seen and they helped got clarity on stuff. And so that's what this is all about. Like, I mean, we're pouring into this platform because we know it's just the tip of the iceberg, but it's this premium experience for people who are growth minded, who want to learn and grow and you know, don't have the financial ability to maybe go to these really exclusive experiences. We're trying to curate that in the best quality way that we know how. And so that's pro. And it's just, it excites us because those people that have raised their hand that want to go to the next level, we're like, we don't want you to fail. Like We want to give you everything in our power <laughs> to help you succeed. And so it's been a fun
0: journey so far. Consultants hate this one simple trick. You know, that's the, 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 the annual subscription is about one hour of consultant time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a full, full library of different topics. And, you know, the, the, the segue from all this conversation about VTO into pro, the conversation's already happening. Both sides want to understand better ways to work together and, You bring up the company that I work for, and this is no endorsement from employers past or present or (laughs) anything like that, but interacting with We Are For Good as a sponsor and being offered the opportunity to provide scholarships in addition to or in lieu of buying an ad on the show, to me showed a lot more impact. It showed that I could align, that the organization that I was with could align with our own values. Part of having your ethos so public, part of having your uh, statements of character public, is accountability. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was proof in our desire to improve the nonprofit ecosystem, not just be another vendor. It was surprisingly easy to advocate for. I mean, that's encouraging. Thank you. Not not just because of the product. But because we got it, yeah, yeah, and I've been a- been able to meet some amazing nonprofits via being a sponsor or a scholarship offerer. You're you
2: are yeah, yeah. You're, the, you're you're the the great benefactor. I mean, it's so <laughs> kind because, and I and I agree with you, and I'll tell you why. Because here's a story for everybody out there: there is a man named Simon who has a nonprofit in rural Uganda he found us on LinkedIn. And he has a very difficult origin story. Growing up as an orphan in Uganda, somehow cleaned the bathrooms, got the attention of a chancellor at a university who gave him a full ride to go and get his degree as long as he was still cleaning the bathrooms. And he came back to his small Ugandan village and took what he learned at university and learned that if he could offer women microfinance loans to start their businesses, then he could start to grow the economy of the village and the worth and the mental health of its people. He has no money. I'm telling you, this. I mean, he started out with his own. He is leaning so far into how to build a nonprofit that's in a third world country where they don't even have online banking set up because of the problems between the government and the banking industries. And he gets in, gets a full ride to pro. And he comes into our community. He comes into every coaching session. And he is the most effusive, joyful learner and encourager (laughs) to everybody, the encourager. And he steps up and tells us what his problems are. And we have, we like solve it in community. I remember like we threw out a post on LinkedIn, Simon needs help getting online giving up in this country, who can help? I mean, I tagged Peter, I tagged a whole bunch of people, all these tech for good people came in, found the solution for him. That is, that started with pro and that started in community. And so it's the scholarship doesn't just become a scholarship. Again, I keep using this analogy, it becomes a ripple to something that's going to be bigger for Simon, for the smile, you know, which is his nonprofit. And, and I just think Tethering that even to a corporate partner, how they could play into that has tremendous opportunity because the story is so rich and people can identify and they are all rooting for Simon, including us.
0: So this is a great story. How do you vet the recipients of the scholarships?
2: It's the easiest process ever. They fill out an application and it is the most subversive application you've ever seen in your life because it doesn't ask traditional questions i think it asks four questions maybe and it's like why do you need this tell me about the state of professional development and your nonprofit and tell us where you want to go and what you're gonna what you want to dream and what you hope to get out of this and i will tell you like peter we roll up all of those answers and give them to our scholarship recipients so they understand the heart of why someone's coming in there. And I don't know if, John, I'm allowed to say it, but I'm going to. We haven't rejected anybody yet, so just <laughs> apply. We still have scholarships. Come in. I mean, again, the democratization of it is the most powerful part. We don't want you know the process of selection to be a barrier. We just want to know what your intentions are so we can align you better with the training that you need.
3: I love that. And I want to circle back to something you said, Peter, because I think we're thinking about this space. You said consultants must hate this, you know, and I'll say we're, we launched thinking, okay, we're building this company for the nonprofit professional. Like there are people there, you know, who we're focused on, but the podcast and just kind of this world has opened us up to the solopreneurs, the fellow entrepreneurs that have put their lives on the line to be the thought leaders and consultants and authors and speakers and all that that they've become an avatar of our business because we see a future where pro is this marketplace to connect people because people are going to need to go deeper. There's still value, deep value for the work that's happening at that micro level or the courses they're creating. And so pro is this discovery platform for them too. And we want it to be a valuable experience for the consultants because Again, we never launched this thinking like we're the authority, you know, for that. We know a couple of specific things that we're really gifted at, but we see this as a community that everyone has a voice. And so we want it to be a place that's truly democratized where they have a place to come and they can grow their own business through the thought leadership platform that we are for good and specifically pro has. So I don't know. We probably, I I think we're trying to be in that that space, but we want to be friends to all because we feel like it's all needed, I guess.
2: And we let them sell their courses and classes in there, which you never see because we want their business to grow. We don't care if they don't give to Weir for good. We just want them investing somewhere. So I just think having an open hand with something like that, and we're in you know, a huge Slack channel with all of them. We pitch each other clients. I mean, it is truly like a familial feeling where everybody's pulling in the same direction. And back to John's original point, it just feels better to work this way.
0: Yeah, would it be a benefit for a someone in the private sector to subscribe?
3: I mean, I think certainly. Like, we think the walls need to go down in all levels. And we have, we have corporate-aligned people that are part of this community because they say, you know, I come in and I learn the language. I learn, like, what's the pain points. I learn just how they're talking and what they're talking about. And just, even if you're a voyeur from that sense, I think there's a lot to learn in this community and in pro from that standpoint. But let me just say, like, we want those voices, like just what Jess was just sharing. I'm like, we need Jess teaching how to approach corporate partners. Like we don't need to pontificate about that. We need actual lived experience. Like let's get together because the impact uprising is bigger than nonprofit and I think I've said this at least publicly once of like, we were small thinking to say, we're starting the podcast for nonprofits because that's perpetuating the problem. Like we're the podcast for the impact uprising, you know, and we're, that's what we're here for. Whether that's through nonprofit or through corporate social responsibility or whoever, maybe the government will help us with this too. I mean, like (laughs) let's all pull together and break down those walls. So there's a place for everybody at this table for sure.
2: And you get a lot when you come. You learn, you grow, you get community, you get thought leadership, you get your message out there. I just think that there's there's so many mutual benefits for everybody that's coming to the table. So we want the table to be as big as possible because we wanna be able to answer every question when someone comes in and says, who does this well? How can I get unstuck here? And we wanna be able to point to somebody that can do that well. And then we don't have to spend any of this precious time that none of us have doing the research, finding out who the right person is. Up, oh, it's not that person. Go find the next one. No, we want to get you the problem and get you the solution so you can go run toward purpose much more quickly.
1: Yeah.
0: and I, I don't want this to skew into advert- advertorial <laughs> mode, which it's kind of feeling like, it, it, and I'm familiar with the platform, but what you're holding to. Uh, this is me speaking as a corporate social responsibility professional. This is not me endorsing nor speaking on behalf of employers past nor present. This is somebody calling out my peers. A platform like this, they're, they're, you know, We Are For Good is not the only one that's focused on nonprofit improvement. They are, in my eyes, the leader in nonprofit community, but they're privately held. A lot of these organizations are. It's not something where we can just step out and write a check from our DAF and wave at it and go, look look what we did. Here's another patch on our NASCAR jacket. We're affiliated with another great brand. This is something where you have to make an investment. And if you're publicly stating, we are here to improve the functionality of a nonprofit. We are here to help close a digital divide. We are here uh, to help in education and professional development are you actually doing that? And for me, making that investment was walking the talk. And I think that's why it was it was very easy. It was it was unanimous in the team to make that type of investment from a real budget. Again, not from a donor advice fund, not from the the funny money that we all get because we pledge 1% and you know that that capital is there. This is the the operating Money. This is our overhead that we're contributing to. And I I just kind of want to challenge my peers, not just to, we are for good. We are for good pros, scholarships, everything else, but find something that's a true investment.
2: Thank you for saying that.
3: That's not an endorsement. It's not a hashtag ad coming up, you know, (laughs) but I, I mean, I completely agree with that. And I think from the DNA of our company to, I mean, we actually made a gift to fund a scholarship that I don't think was deductible yesterday to a completely different program because we believe in that, like it's at the core. And if we have these conversations on our text thread all the time with, you know, the three of us that split the equity, it's like, if this is how we say we value align, like it tangibly means moving money toward that because that is how, you know, one of the ways that we can push energy in that direction. And so we want to live that too. And it hurts a little bit whenever you're a startup because it's it's harder, you know. But I just am so grateful for those that have taken that step with us.
2: Yeah, and I mean we're we're all about growth mindset. Um, here goes another one of our values. I mean, it's like disrupt grow, adapt, repeat. That is our ethos all the time. We are so open to like, what does that partnership look like? You know, you talk about sponsorships, you talk about scholarships. We think it can evolve in a million different ways. So if there's somebody out there that has an idea of how to leverage
1: this platform, let's do it. We're open. Amazing. So all of these connections you've made, all of these communities you've been building, where do you see We Are For Good going next?
3: I mean, I love that question because, and you're the way you teed that up, like, I really do feel like we have an open hand with this and that feels like a good spot because I think we know what the next chapters, and I'll share a couple of them, but we also know that it's probably going to look different as more people surround this and kind of inspire us to. So probably around the year mark of being, we are forget as you know it today, like we're like, oh my gosh, this is like a media company. Like we're truly like, we've got all of these Whoops. tentacles. <laughs> we're building we a, media a media company. We built a
2: media company.
3: But it, it aligns with kind of even what I said about the different avatars coming online. It's like, as we think about reaching people in today's world and this attention economy, professional development is part of the media ecosystem. People learn everywhere they're going. And so we want to be part of that. So our next play is, as we are releasing some studio level projects where we're teaching in different formats, we're bringing in different talent to grow the type of shows and the way that people are learning. And I can say, there's going to be some really funny experiments coming down the pike because people don't just learn by tuning into our show. You know, They're going to have other experiences and not just podcasting as well. And so this studio division, this media division is really kind of how we're viewing this next step. But there's also the whole activation. And I think if there's something that has like been a gut punch since we launched this is like, Talk is one level, you know, and we do so much talking. Oh my gosh, like we, we talk so much, much. but if we can really activate the impact uprising, like that's going to be our next play is like, what do we do with these people? Is it getting people involved in volunteer opportunities or is it getting people actually into roles, into jobs? And so a job board is in our near future and it's not going to be your typical job board. It's going to be a way to find value aligned organizations for-profit and nonprofit, matched with value aligned people who have come up through this impact uprising and trying to match them in places where they could go invest the next period of their career. And I was really inspired recently. I'm sorry, this is so long-winded by the FarmLink project. And if I think Becky mentioned them earlier, possibly go check them out because truly disruptive, led by Gen Z, led by just this kind of volunteer grassroots movement of people that is taking basically wasted food from farmers and getting it to food banks and just the transport piece of that. But they came on as 25 year olds into the studio, 22 22 year olds. olds, Okay. (laughs) And I've never felt so like schooled of like, we've spent our entire career. They're coming in, you know, fresh. And they said, we actually don't think that what we're doing now is going to be our greatest impression on, on fixing this issue. We think that the people involved in this organization today are like an incubator of what's gonna happen next when they leave our walls. And I like have chills thinking about that because I'm like, what did evolved leadership that's not about growing their kingdom or growing this organization, but to say the the things that are happening in our hearts, Peter stuffing the rice in the bag, like what is that going to do in him for the rest of his life that's gonna inform how he shows up and how he gives or gives his time. And I'm like, wow, this is where it's at. You know, how do we send out people to go do the next thing, whether that's in for profit or Nonprofit or government. I'll drop government again because I know nothing about government, but I'm gonna <laughs> say that
1: again. <laughs> yeah, that's a really beautiful sentiment. I got chills as well. I think considering where people go next and what good they put out into the world. That's powerful. Yeah. Ripple effects. That's a that's a theme here in our conversation, I would say. What's happening next after that big impact together?
0: So the the community and the ecosystem, I'm gonna go back to corporate social responsibility professionals. It's not just about, about writing a check. You said that people can contribute materials. So if there are people in the space that think they're thought leaders or want to be thought leaders or instructors or mentors, is that something that they're capable of submitting?
2: Talk about things that are coming up on the horizon. We're um, working through kind of the 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 middle stages of a collaborator program, and we want people to come and be aware for a we're for good collaborator. and we want them to show up not just as a thought leader in their writing, but we want to pull them into panels that we get asked to curate all the time, you know, with Evolve Leadership. We want them to come on to one of our Friday episodes and talk as an expert about one particular topic. Maybe we talk about, you know, the evolution of CSR, you know, in a post-pandemic world. It's maybe something super niche, you know, but we want to to fuel this ecosystem. And we want it to all be completely accessible, you know, digital, mobile, so that anybody in the world can get this information and learn from it. So that's definitely something that's coming down the pike. And I think just knowing that we're gonna have all kinds of digital playgrounds for people to put what's working really, really well. And as long as there is an activation component to it, that is what we want to know. What is the takeaway? What is the aha moment? What is the framework? What's the toolkit? What's the tech that pairs with it? What's the budget? These are the questions that nonprofits and social impact investors have. And if we can give them that answer, quickly and teach them how to use it. And there's just no limit to what we can do. So yes, stay tuned for that.
0: And with the community, is there ever any interest in matchmaking?
2: We do it all the time. <laughs> Tell me what yeah. you, how you define matchmaking because we do it every day. I'm like
3: making a Jacob's ladder right here in my Yeah, let's uh, <laughs> an employee right engagement
0: person <laughs> yeah. listening or mm-hmm. a DEI professional listening. Mm-hmm. And they're like, set me up with the best charity. Set me up with the best consultant. Set me up with something that will help me accomplish my goals so that I can further my mission while supporting someone else and furthering theirs. That oh sounds like gosh. a dream
3: job. Okay. <laughs>
0: yes.
2: let, me, let me just tell you this. This, this has been a, a, something that's happened to us that we did not foresee. That segues beautifully into that. We realize we inadvertently built a connection agency. When we launch this podcast in this ecosystem, because when you're meeting with, you know, we're up to 320 something episodes. When you meet that many people and you start the conversation with, tell me about you as a human being, tell me about your childhood and your lived experience and what led you to this moment, we have already gotten to the core of who that human being is. And then we talk about what they know and what they've learned along the way. It has allowed us to see people so clearly and we have their network. We have this connection and friendship. And so it happens to us truly every day. Somebody comes to us and says, Do you know somebody who does X? And it could be a designer, it could be a funder. It could be, oh, I heard this person on your podcast. I'll give a real life example that happened to me yesterday. We had Alison Moore on from Comic Relief USA, and they run the Red Nose project. Um, and she's just absolutely outstanding. And this was on Monday's podcast um, from the week that we're recording here. And I had Somebody who runs a retail, they take excess retail, sell it, and give all the proceeds to nonprofit. And she said, I want our retail foundation to fund Red Nose Day. Can you connect me with Allison? Because we want to be one of their partners. And that was just literally somebody in our community that listened to that episode and just said, Hey, can you give me an email introduction? And I'll tell you, Peter, you've been a part of these cuz i've connected you with some people we think the intro is not just hey peter this is jess you guys should talk you're doing cool things it's like here's peter here's who i think about him is what i think about him as a human being here's what i've observed about him here's what i like about what he does business he's looking for this here's jess here's what i love about her all those same things and all of a sudden you've taken the awkwardness of strangers meeting out and they're fueled to go do work. So yeah, if you need anything, come on over. We will hook you up and we will find a good human to get you what you need.
0: Do it now before they figure out how to bill for it.
2: Oh my gosh. (laughs) Let's be honest. It's like crushing our time, but we can't say no. <laughs> so
0: it's filling trying our to find hearts, that though.
2: mom balance is very challenging.
0: I feel like you were jabbing me there because of the amount of emails I've sent you and somebody else. And I just have I'm introduction. I'm not jabbing written. anybody. <laughs> just the word introduction written and you figure it out from there.
2: Oh, um, you're one of my favorites. You know, i do anything for you.
0: Well. I don't know. Where are we at with this? I think we're at the beginning. Is this this part two that people are suffering through or do they really stick (laughs) around with us for an hour? I I figure either way, we we kind of need to wrap it. And if they need to hear more from you, there's what? We're for good, the podcast on all the major networks.
3: Yeah. And come find us. I mean, we're humans and we would love to hear from you. I mean, DMing us. into our
0: DMs. Yeah.
3: DM us on LinkedIn. We think that's (laughs) the most direct, fast way to get in front of us today. But just come be part of this experience like i mean that that at the deepest level like we want your voice we want your expertise and lived experience to help speak into this conversation so the we are for good community is free and it's easy with a couple clicks you can join through your linkedin profile and that's there at weareforgoodcommunity.com or just hit us up and listen to the podcast and join this this space
2: and go take a tour of pro if you're really curious about it. It's weareforgoodpro.com. We have, a, we have a button right at the top that says take a tour and go look through it. Like we, if you're curious, DM us. We'll let you in the back too. We, we love our CSI friends and we want to build a bridge between them and our people. And we want it to feel equitable in every sense. So help us do that. Come find us.
0: And, and we'll have these links and more in the show notes, of course. Can I steal something from you, please? Oh, I was going oh, to go ahead, go Jessica. Go, 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 go. go.
1: I think it's only right that you leave us with one good thing. Was
2: that <laughs> what you were going to say, Peter?
3: Fear is being asked. What's our one good thing? <laughs> 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 I learned this from one of our guests, and then I feel like we we were kind of doing this anyway. But I reminded of me of this this morning: is take the meeting, like be open-handed with your time because the amount of connections that we've met just by being curious and by helping people, like there's not enough of that in the world. It's, it scares us how much people seem like skeptical of like, why are you nice? And we're like, we feel like it's just like the right way to show up. But taking the meeting, like I didn't know the person I was talking to today. And I was like, so like moved by tears, <laughs> like want to like connect them to all the things and help them and all the things. And it's just the power of just saying, Hey, I'd love to find 30 minutes together, you know? and. There's a lot of power in that. And I've spent my entire career, which is probably seems funny now because we're so much more public. We were like more like public figures now with the podcast and everything. But it's weird. I was the guy that was terrified to even DM somebody on LinkedIn that I thought was interesting of what they were doing. And it's like, why didn't I spend 20 years professionally when it's just easy? It seems so easy now to be like, hey, I love what you're doing. Can we just, can I meet, <laughs> you know? And it doesn't have to be a big thing, but it can really open up so many different doors. So that's a really long one. Good thing, I'm sorry. But um, that's what I'm feeling.
2: Okay, love that one, John. I'm going to do something that has nothing to do with business. It's about you as a human being because I heard this the other day and I just loved it. Your personality is not a bug. It's a feature. So I think that if you are a human being that's working through some stuff right now, as we all are, I want you to know that as long as you're working on being the best version of yourself, it's okay to feel down. It's okay to to feel that the world is extremely heavy. Sit in that for a little bit and then get back on that horse. I've been very public about sharing my nervous breakdown, like mental health crisis story on the podcast, which you're welcome to listen to. But I just think mental health and self-care has got to be normalized. And I think that the world is very um, divisive right now. Um, which is like the most subtle thing I can say, (laughs) because it's so large. And I want you to know that you are in the place you need to be right now. Listen to your nudges and know that whatever you're going through right now, that's just a part of your journey. It's not a bug. It's not a character flaw. And as long as you're working on it, we can all keep rising. I'm a work in progress, as says my therapist, every single Wednesday at 145. So that was
1: beautiful, Becky. Thank you both for sharing. It's been a pleasure chatting
2: with you today. So glad we finally got to talk to you. And just can I just say, Peter, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for what you have done for We Are for Good, the way that you advocate, the way that you connect. The way you love us, the way you promote, the way you just show up in so many ways—you are one of those forever friends that's always in the background, never in the front. And I just want to come on your podcast and tell people what an exceptional human you are, and thank you so much. Well,
0: I, I try to do that for everybody, and I know you—you you tell the world on a regular basis. This is, a, this is just a classic Beckyism. You don't even realize you do. <laughs> show up. You do. Yep. Show up. That's that's the expectation. Such love an honor to hang with you all. Thanks Thank for creating so the much.
2: space and time for this conversation. It was awesome. So much
1: love. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Great to chat with you both. Let's continue the conversation as we go. We're here for it.
0: Yeah, let's do it. And that does it for this episode. Should you or someone you know be our next guest, visit goodchat.org and click the link to nominate a guest. If you like what we're doing, please rate and review us and tell your friends. You can find other ways to support us at goodchat.org and uh, catch you next time.